The following audio is from Axe Church in Leander, Texas. More information about Axe is available at axechurchleander.com. Thank you, Rick. I'm going to invite all of you to, uh, if you brought your Bibles, good time to open them up. And we're going to go to Revelation chapter 19. As always, we will have the big Bible on the screen. And Pastor Josh will uh, uh, share uh, this as part of his message today. So we're going to start chapter 19, verse 6, and we're going to go to verse 10. Then I heard what seemed to be the voice of a great multitude, like the roar of many waters, and like the sound of mighty peals of thunder, crying out, Hallelujah, for the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and exult and give him the glory, for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made herself ready. It was granted her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure, for the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. And the angel said to me, Write this, Blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, These are the true words of God. Then I fell down at his feet to worship him. But he said to me, You must not do that. I am a fellow servant with you, and your brothers who hold to the testimony of Jesus worship God. For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Beautiful. How are we doing, guys? Good, good. All right, I'm going to ask, can we get Revelations 19, the second screen, back up on the uh, projector before we start? Um, Because I want to read these words with you guys again. So the next one, uh, so verses 8 and 9, there we go. It was granted her to clothe herself with fine linen and bright and pure, for the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. And the angel said to me, write this, blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, these words, these are the true words of God. Leave that up there for a moment. Heavenly Father, Lord, we come before you, and we are excited uh, to engage you in your story. We're We're excited to see what you're doing in our lives, what you're doing in this world. Lord, I pray that in this coming time, Lord, that uh, it is truly your words that are spoken, that your spirit that speaks to us individually as we try to figure out who we are and what we're supposed to do here on earth. We say this all in your son's precious name. Amen. So there are times when sermons come really easy for a pastor, and it's like we immediately know what we're going to say, and, you know, we get to writing, and easy breezy cotton peasy. Then there are times where sermons don't come so easy. Uh, This is one of those sermons. Typically, I'm done by about Wednesday and Thursday, and I'm starting to work on, like, polishing it up. Yesterday at about noon, I was still at Redhorn trying to figure out how do I make this all come together. Uh, And part of it had to do with the topic that we're talking about, which is heaven. Uh, Honestly, the song that kept going through my mind over and over and over again was the Kenny Kenny Chesney hit, Everybody Wants to Go to Heaven. It beats the other place, there ain't no doubt. Everybody wants to go to heaven, but ain't nobody want to go now, right? And that's, I think, reflects all of us. Heaven's a great retirement plan. It's a great insurance policy. At the same time, though, we're no rush. You know, there's stuff that we want to do here on earth. Maybe it's go to college. Maybe it's get a house. Maybe it's get this boy or this girl to like you. Whatever it is, we all have things on our bucket list that we want to get rid of before we kick the bucket. And so as I was in and trying to figure out what do we do with this last series in Dinner Party, where we're looking at different meals in the Bible, this was challenging for me. And part of the reason is because we've got a bunch of different misconceptions of what heaven is. 
Sometimes we see words like this. It says, write this down. Blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. Now, back in the Old and the New Testament times, the marriage supper was the feast of all feasts. It was the party that you did not want to miss. And quite frankly, they did not have a lot of parties to begin with. Right? This was a poorer nation. This was a nation that struggled for day-to-day meals. And yet when someone got married, families would pool together their resources and they would have a week-long party where family would come from all over the nation and they would gather and they would get together and they would eat and they would drink. And it was the party that represented everything good in their culture. And so when the scripture tells us that heaven is like a marriage feast, what scripture is telling us is heaven's the best experience you've ever had. The problem that we have, though, with this is that as we read through Revelation, we get all these different pictures of heaven, right? So sometimes we're just dressed in white. Sometimes we're just singing. Sometimes we're eating. And we get this kind of hodgepodge idea of what heaven's supposed to be. And by the time we're done with it, sometimes we have wings, sometimes we don't have wings, sometimes we're in the clouds, sometimes there's this like golden city, and we're like, that seems cool. And again, it's better than the other place, but it doesn't connect. And part of the reason it doesn't connect is because often we take heaven out of the story of what God is trying to do. And we create heaven as a separate place. And what we find in Scripture is that's not how heaven is defined by Jesus and his disciples. So before we get in, we have to define three terms. One of them we're really familiar with, which is earth. So when we talk about earth in the Bible, it's everything physical, right? It's the trees, it's the plants, it's our houses, it's what we eat. Anything that is created falls under this category of earth. All right, simple enough. Heaven, though, is not not earth. Right? Typically, we think of heaven as this place up in the sky, and we get that thought because of the Greek word, Uranus, actually means heavens. It means the stars. And so there was this idea for a long time, certainly in the medieval times, that heaven was up in the stars. It was a physical location. But in Scripture, we find, no, heaven is simply as defined as where God is. Right? So earth, the physical creation, Heaven, where God is. And then the third word we need to understand is kingdom. So kingdom, again, we start to think, okay, the kingdom of Great Britain is the land of Scotland, North Ireland, and England. But kingdom in Greek didn't mean a physical location, but it meant that the ruler was in control of that location. So it wasn't a geographical boundary. It was saying it's the jurisdiction of a king. And this is important because in Matthew 4, if you want to go to that slide, this is how Jesus begins his ministry. He says, From that time on, Jesus began to preach, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Sometimes that will be translated, The kingdom of heaven is drawing near, or the kingdom of of heaven is here. Now think about that for a moment. Not the kingdom of heaven is in a future state. Not the kingdom of heaven is where you're going to go one day. But the kingdom of heaven, where God reigns and where God is, is drawing close to you, is here. So we have to figure out, okay, if kingdom of the heaven is here, what does that look like? What does the reign of God look like? What does the presence of God look like? And to do that, we've got to go into the full story of Scripture. 
we're going to jump back again to Genesis. And last week, we talked about how God created man and woman to create a marriage, and he created family, and he created community. But in Genesis 1, uh, go back one slide. There we go. We find out both our identity, who we are, and our purpose for why we're here. Then God said, let us make man in our own image, after our likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens, over the livestock, over all the earth, over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Continuing on. And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, and every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, Behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of the earth and every tree with seed in its fruit. You shall have them for food. We find our identity. We're created in the image of God. We're created in the reflection of God. And we find our purpose. We were created to be the caretakers of creation. We were created to take care of this world. We were created to take care of the plants, of animals. And we were created to reflect God to this world. Now this, for me, is actually one of the foundations of how I got into Jesus. Because as beautiful as this is, this doesn't reflect our current reality, right? And this is kind of funny. I I get a chuckle out of this. So last week... I was talking about the fall of creation, and I used a phrase, and sin mucked it up right proper. And that's mucked. I had someone come up to me and be like, Josh, funny story, last Sunday I thought you said something else that sounds like mucked, right? But no, no, no. But what happens is sin comes into this beautiful picture and destroys everything. It destroys our family, it destroys our community, and we find it destroys our identity, our bodies, and our purpose. And we see this in Genesis 3. So sin comes in, we do this thing, and all of a sudden, everything goes wrong. If we could get to Genesis 3, uh, one more slide. There we go. Oh, back one. There we go. Then God said, oh, actually, back one more. Verse 17. There we go. Uh, because you have listened to the voice of your wife and eaten of the fruit which I have commanded you not to, because you sinned, right? We ate from the tree of good and evil. You shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your lives. Thorns and thistles shall bring, be brought forth, and you shall eat the plants of the field. Continuing on. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread, till you return to the ground, for out of it you are taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. The man called his wife Eve, because she was the mother of all living, and the Lord made for Adam and his wife garments of skin and clothed them. Continuing on. Then the Lord said, Behold, the man has become like one of us, knowing good and evil. Now, lest he reach out and take also the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore, the Lord sent them out of the garden to work the ground from which he was taken. Do you see what happened there? God gave us our identity, this reflection of him. He gave us a purpose to uh, to caretake creation. And then sin comes in, and all of a sudden, creation and us start fighting. 
right? We see thistles come out of the ground. All of a sudden, to caretake creation isn't a joy, but there's work and we're sweating. All of a sudden, things like death come into the story. All of a sudden, things like not being in God's presence. We get kicked out of the garden, right? And for me, growing up, I experienced this a lot. I had an identity problem. I didn't know who I was. I wasn't the star athlete. I wasn't the valedictorian. I wasn't smart enough. I wasn't good-looking enough. All I saw in the mirror was someone who wasn't enough, who had made too many mistakes, who was too broken. And my parents tried counseling. My parents tried classes. And all of those things can be good, but for me, the identity wasn't there. And I remember the day my dad took me on a walk. And... He looks me in the eye and he says, Joshua, God doesn't build junk. And God built you. He said, Josh, you have the identity, the image of God inside of you. He doesn't want you to be the star athlete. He doesn't want you to be the funniest kid in school. But he designed you to reflect him. There is something good inside of you and God wants to do something with it. And he doesn't want to do it just for me and myself. No, he built that inside of me so I could caretake his creation. Jesus says that the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And we see that all the time, right? We see death. We see destruction in our world. And yet Jesus says, I have come that you may have life and life to the full. And he's not talking some future state. No, he's talking about here and now God has a plan for our lives. That yes, sin comes in and starts mucking everything up, but then God comes in and starts putting it back together again. One of my favorite verses comes from Ephesians 2. And it starts off by saying, For it is by grace that we have been saved, not by works. So we don't gain God that way. But then we get to verse 10 and it says, For you are workmanship created in Christ, You are God's creation. He built you. And why did he build you? For good works, which God prepared beforehand, that we should walk in them. God's whole point is to bring us back to the garden. To bring us back to a right relationship with creation. In that, heaven isn't some future state. Heaven is a present reality where we get to do life with God where he comes into our lives and he says, you were created to reflect me. And now I want you to share that reflection with the world. And those reflections can look a lot of different ways, right? Some of us might reflect God with humor. And so we're comedians and we can make people smile and laugh. And guess what? God is the ultimate comedian. Some of us were created to do music. And we have the gift to be able to play instruments. And God is the ultimate musician. He created music. Maybe you have the gift of hospitality or the gift of carpentry. One of the best ways I ever understood what heaven on earth could look like was with a teacher who was talking about a musician. So I'm going to ask Tanner to come forward. And I'm going to do a little Q&A with him. So Tanner is our music guy. He's pretty good. I'm glad we got him. Tanner, how long have you been playing the mandolin? Uh, four years. Four years. All right. Are you better today than you were four years ago? Yes. I hope so, right? Um, do you want to peak at this level? Do you never want to get better? 
No, he doesn't. Do you want to know how I know Tanner does not want to? Because he plays the mandolin constantly. Right now, he and my wife are living with them, and they are awesome hosts. But you just never know when he's going to break out the mandolin. It could be 10 a.m. Oh, da, 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 da. it could be 9.30 p.m. I'm brushing my teeth, and Tanner comes up with a mandolin just going at it. He is constantly learning new songs. He's constantly trying to figure out, how can I get better? So in five years from now, you want to be better, right? In 30 years from now, you want to get better, right? Yep. What happens when you're about 70 or 80 years old? What's going to happen to your fingers? Might start, might start slowing down a little. A bit. You might know more up here, but your body's going to start fighting you, right? And we see that. Sin comes in, death comes in, and our bodies don't work the way they're supposed to, right? But now think, how good of a mandolin player could you be if you had 500 years experience? Pretty good, right? 10,000 years experience. And here's the deal, and we made a joke about this last week. He never has to peak as a mandolin player. God is infinite. God's mandolin playing abilities are infinite, and so your reflection of him into eternity is going to get better and better. Thank you. Your comedic gifts are going to get better and better. Your ability to practice hospitality, invite people into your home, to love on them. Your ability to build and work with carpentry. We're going to get to study under Jesus he was a carpenter who built the world, right? Heaven is a present state that continues into eternity. And that's where we're left, with the now and the not yet. Because we have a God who comes in and says, I don't want you to have some future reality that you're holding to. I want you to have a reality here and now where you are reflecting me where you are being built in me, where I'm giving you an identity, I'm giving you a purpose. I have a plan for your life, he says. But we also still live in a place that the effects of sin are still real. And so we have to wake up in the morning and we turn and we feel our back and we're like, it didn't used to do that. Our loved ones get diseases and we're like, it's not supposed to be like that. We have funerals, and we're like, it's, that's not right. And it's not. But this is where that promise continues on into eternity. Heaven doesn't stop when we take our last breath. It's not the end of the story. It's more like the period at the end of a chapter, and then we turn the page, and it continues on into heaven. And so we hear from Jesus... We hear from the Apostle Paul, O oh, death, where is your sting? It doesn't have victory anymore. Yeah, there's still pain. Yeah, it still hurts. But God says, I promise to be with you here, and that page is going to connect to the page into eternity. And then we're going to grow in that. And so in a very real way, we have the best of both worlds. We don't have to wait for heaven. God says, I want you to experience your life and life to the full here and now. I want to teach you who I built you to be, and I want to give you opportunities to love. And one day, when we take our last breath, he says, I want you to have the confidence to know that because of my work, because I died for you, because I love you, this isn't the end of your story, but your story is going to continue on into eternity. My prayer, my hope, the thing I'm most excited about here at Acts is to find the reflections of God that are in each and every one of us. 
and then as a church, as a community, to be able to caretake our local neighborhoods, our little patch of creation, and love our neighbor as ourselves. Invite other people into their identity as children of God. And then move forward. And that's where we get our last verse today, what we're building towards. You put up uh, Revelations 21 on the screen. This is our hope. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven, right? Heaven comes down, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. Heaven is present. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. And continues on. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning or crying or pain, for the former things have passed away. And he said, and he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Also he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. We have a God who promises to do life with us here. We have a God who promises to give us identity here and now and a purpose here and now. And he says, and one day, we're going to finish the story. One day, we're going to wipe away every tear. I'm going to put it all back together again. And I am making all things new. Heavenly Father, Lord, we come before you humbled that we're created by the creator of the universe that the God who came up with the idea of the Grand Canyon and the Pacific Ocean and dolphins and platypuses also came up with each and every one of us. Lord, that we are uniquely built to reflect who you are, a God who cares about music, a God who cares about carpentry and about building and about hospitality and about friendship. Lord, and we thank you for being a God who invites us into that relationship with him. And yet, Lord, we also come before you uh, in confession that we often don't reflect you. That instead of living out of the good works you've prepared for us, we reflect, we reflect things that are not of you. Anger, jealousy, rage, gossip, things that you have called us out of. Lord, we confess our sin to you now, asking you forgive us, asking that your spirit comes into this moment. Lord, that we get to experience heaven anew. We confess we're not perfect, but we are bold to ask for forgiveness because you said you wanted to do life with us. In your name, amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Acts Church in Leander, Texas. Feel free to share this message with others and stay connected with us at actschurchleander.com.